is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I wonder if there's an expectancy in this room here today. Is there an expectancy? You know, have you come? I'm sure several of you have come. Uh, with a sense of, God, you really want to touch me today. This could be my day. I want to encourage that. It's, uh, if you heard Helen there, she said she received a healing as well. Didn't just hear about it. She received it. And I think that's very vital, actually. So, basically, let me start straight away with this. Here's uh, Joy. And this is what she said. She said, God, please help me. And it was a daily cry of hers for a long time. And uh, it was a cry as she came down from whatever high she was on. And she says the vivid images flooded her mind. And as I relive, relive those moments, the stench of cigarettes, liquor and nightclub fog come to my mind. I was addicted to evading reality and experienced dark, inescapable hell. Hell so much so that you can't control the madness of it. Drugs, alcohol, sex, cutting, stealing, name your poison. They were my everyday friends, and I thought I was beyond hope. And let me introduce Tracy to you. And she says this, Recently I hit rock bottom. I found myself sitting alone on my bed, tears flowing down my face. I had just confessed to my husband that I'd been having an affair, with my boss and it had been going for over two years and now I needed time to figure everything out my job was gone my marriage was broken and everyone in my life was hurt by my actions my life was broken lonely, confused and I was terrified of the future but I controlled the issues in my life with hope and hope became the theme of my life I even got the word tattooed on my wrist. Now I'm divorced, working in a new job and living with my sister. My life today is so much different than I thought it would be. And finally, Tom, and he says this, that growing up I didn't have many friends. I wasn't loud enough, funny enough, or vulgar enough. And when I went to university, I had no idea how to connect with people. And exam marks were my thing, not people. And at 24, I felt like a pathetic infant, unable to transition from milk to meals. I was socially incompetent. Now, those are just three of many stories. And you can find people like that that I may have described you here this morning. And I want to ask you these questions. Why, why do these things happen? Why all this mess? Where does this pain in life come from? Why is there pain? Is there any way out? Can our lives really be transformed? And today I want to look at what the Bible has to say about this subject. I want to actually bring some good news here. And I want to talk to you about some, the good news of the kingdom. I want to talk to you about a life transforming message I don't know you may have come here this morning and what you've noticed is 
people seem quite uh, happy with God and uh, they quite lively songs are being said. But at the same time, you think, hold on, what's going on? And one of the reasons is because of a transformed life. Uh, my life has been transformed. I won't bore you with all the details. But if you're, not, if you're here today and you're longing for your life to be transformed, you're in the right place. Because there's a message called the good news about the kingdom of God. It's the news of his kingdom. But in order to understand this news, you need a little history lesson. And uh, I'm not trying to come back into a school classroom with me, but I, w- I do need to give you a little history. So let's look at the way things started, shall we? It's what I call, there was a perfect kingdom to start with. This is what the Bible says. So in the beginning, God created the heavens. He created the earth. He created all the plants, all the animals, and he created humans. And it's quite interesting to see that when God had done all of this, his view of what he'd done is this. He said, everything that I've made is good. In fact, he called it very good. And what he did is he commissioned men and women, human beings, the very pinnacle of all this creation, to administer his rule and uh, his government. And his rule and his government were just. You see, good government produces peace. It produces harmony and it produces security in society. And then we find this. The Bible talks about a kingdom decline. Something went wrong. The early chapters of Genesis introduced this subject. And the bottom line is this, that mankind turned their backs on God. So here's a just God administering peace and a good government and security, and here's man turning his back on the Creator. And so suddenly God is no longer at the centre of things. And selfish, imperfect Human government replaced his government. It's a major change. It's a major shift. And what happens now is that sin, sickness, pain, death, war, and injustice all came into being. They were never meant to be there. They're they're actually there because we rebelled against God. That's why they're in life. That's why things go wrong. That's where they come from. And so things were changed. And yet at the same time, it wasn't a place without hope. Because obviously God hasn't died. He's still there. He still speaks. And he spoke about hope. And his prophetic word came on many occasions. And told of a king who would come and re-establish, who would restore all that that was taken away and ruined. And so you read verses such as these ones here. Psalm 102 says this, that God will arise at the appointed time. There's an appointed time. And he will respond to the plea of the destitute. See, God's not a God who hasn't got any compassion. He's not a far-off, distant God. And his glory will be revealed to the nations. And then in a book called Isaiah, in the middle of the Old Testament, says this, that unto us a child will be born, a son will be given, and the government will be on his shoulder. Very interesting. The government that he lost will suddenly be on his shoulder. 
And there will be a restoration program. And his name will be called, and uh, I nearly want to sing it, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You can't say that without wanting to sing it. And then finally we're told this, that this king who would come would be announced by a forerunner. And that will give you the understanding of when the time is going to come. And they said this forerunner would be a voice. He'd be a voice crying in the wilderness. And he'd be saying this. This is his central message. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make a straight path for him. He's coming. And so then we come to this next little bit of our history lesson. I'm nearly there. Next one, please. Is that we find... There's a new kingdom comes. The king actually comes. He comes. John the Baptist was that promised forerunner. His message was simple and to the point. It's very easy to get it. He said this, change your life. God's kingdom is here. He didn't mess around. And then he was arrested. He was taken off the scene. He was a troublemaker. And then Jesus started his public ministry... And he picked up right where John left off. And he said this, the kingdom is here. It's not even near, it's here, right now. And so when Jesus came, that process that God had promised of restoring, of putting everything back in place, had started. And that's the age that we live in now. So that was, that was the promised one. And he came, and he came with an amazing message uh, and his message was accompanied by incredible healings. We shouldn't be surprised that we hear healing stories. It's just a mark of him being amongst us. So when God is amongst his people, when the kingdom is there, one of the signs, one of the marks of his presence is supernatural things happen. So even his human earthly life, nearly 2,000 years ago, it says this, that large crowds followed him, and he healed the sick. This is what he did. And when the kingdom comes, the kingdom of darkness and its works are pushed back. That's what the kingdom does. That's what the king's purpose is. He's restoring things, he's confronting things, and he's pushing things back. And that's what he's doing. But now we come to this bit here. The, the now kingdom and the tension of the not yet kingdom. And we live in this tension. So right now, we live in this now kingdom. Since when Jesus came to when he returns, it's called the now kingdom. It's near. It's amongst us. And he came in response to the cry of humanity's suffering. And he confronts sin, sickness and injustice. And Jesus taught his disciples this very thing. He said, look, I want you to teach you to pray like this. If you struggle to know how to pray, here's how you pray. Your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's how he taught his disciples to pray. And then he says this, the gospel of this kingdom will be preached to every nation and then the end of the world will come. And so that's the now kingdom, and yet he talks about the, the not yet kingdom as well, when he will return. And the Bible makes it very, very clear, there's a day coming that no one knows the exact time, although there will be indications, 
of his return. So the one we worship is amongst us and he's going to return. He's an amazing God. And the process of restoration will result in his return and a new heaven and a new earth will be established. And the Bible says things like this. I've nearly finished the history lesson. Isaiah says this. I'm creating new heavens and a new earth where all the earlier troubles, chaos and pain are things of the past. Anticipate what I'm going to create. No more sounds of weeping in the city. No cries of anguish. No more babies dying in the cradle or old, or old people who don't enjoy a full life. One hundredth birthdays will be considered normal. And Zechariah says this, Men and women of ripe old age will be safe in our towns at night, and young children will play in safety. And this introduces the tension. You see, what a picture. Don't you long to live in a society like that? You know, where our kids can play safely in the streets, where the old can venture out at night without having to fear for their safety. And Jesus is clear. He says, look, there's a tension going on right now. You're in the age of the kingdom, but there's a not yet kingdom to come as well. And the tension is this, is pulling down the truths of what's true in heaven into the here and now, and yet being able to hold that intention with the fact that restoration only fully happens when Jesus returns. And that's what the Christian church is living with. This is what, why we're here. It's a very summary of our paradox, if you like, where we live with anticipation, and yet we have an understanding of the not yet. You see, yet while we may never see God's kingdom completely manifested here on earth, Jesus tells us this, we should ask for it and expect it. Hello, have I got your attention? See, this is the news that Derby needs to hear. This is the gospel of the kingdom. It's not just a gospel. It's not just a series of facts that change an individual's life. It is that, but it's the gospel of the kingdom. It's about restoring all things and putting them back in their right place. And that's what God's doing. And to help us understand, we see this. Next slide, please. We see this pattern that God gives us. It's a pattern that all the prophets spoke about. It's God's pattern to help us understand how all this works out. And it reads like this, as you can see behind me. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, the return of Jesus, who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. You see, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Notice this. It's not just one prophet who's speaking about this. It's all the prophets. This is their central message. This is what we live for. This is what motivates us. This is what gives us energy. This is what gives us hope. And I want you to notice this. Next slide, please. 
There's the pattern, first of all. It starts with repent. You see, what does repent mean? It's not a word that's in vogue today. It means face up to God to start with. As a university student at Reading University studying physiology and biochemistry, I had to face up to this. I didn't come from a Christian family. No one had told me about Jesus much. I'd kind of assigned religion into the not relevant slot, which it isn't. I was right. But I dismissed Jesus and put him in the religious slot, and he's not. And so suddenly I had to repent of my attitude. I had to face up to God. Realize I marginalized him. Realize the problem was with me, not with him. And submit to him and obey him. And a person who has repented never argues with God. Never argues with God. I wonder if you fully repented. I wonder if I at one time had fully repented. Because I used to argue with God a lot. You see, repentance is ending our rebellion. And it talks about this next one. It talks about refresh. About times of refreshing come. And so the message of the gospel is, first of all, it demands you to repent. Change your attitude. You're a rebel. Come out of your rebellion. Come back and put God in the center of things. And then when you do, he starts to refresh you. And if ever we need refreshing in an age, it's today, isn't it? I find I need daily refreshing. And God, by his Holy Spirit, comes and refreshes us. So when we humble ourselves and end our rebellion, our repentance brings refreshing. It's the opposite of what you think. It brings refreshing. And let me notice this. Refreshing is only a stage on the journey. It's not the end product. So Christians, we aren't here just to sort of bubble up and dance and jump around. We are here to do that. But it isn't the end product. Because it goes on. And look at the next one. It says this. That basically, God's got a restoration program. That's what he's about. And Christians are caught up in this. They don't just sort of get religious on Sunday. They're caught up in a process of restoration. They've had their sins forgiven. They have repented. They're personally right with God. All their guilt has been taken out of them. A brand new start has come. But they're caught up in something bigger than just their individual salvation. It's even bigger than just being a part of a church. It's called, we are about restoring all things. Just recently, our youngest daughter, we've got five kids, has come home. She's 25 and she's just gone off to Austria today to a Bible college for three months. And um, I'd never seen this film, so she's got a few DVDs that we haven't got. I've got most, I like to think, but I haven't got this one. And so suddenly we were watching Amazing Grace. So the life of William Wilberforce came out in film three or four years ago, I think. I'd never watched it. I heard good reports. And in his early stages of his life, it was, a, it was, it was brilliantly done. If you've not seen it, I'd highly recommend it to you can't say that about all Christian things, can you? Sadly. Some of it are quite naff, to be honest. But this was brilliant. And, and actually, one of the lines in this was, one of his friends, who was to be the future Prime Minister of England, 
Wilberforce had just met with God. He'd repented and he got refreshed. And he's wondering what his part of the restoration story was. And was it, he put it like this, am I here just to preach God's word or am I here to change society? And his good friend, who turned out to be William Pitt, the Prime Minister of England, one of the youngest Prime Ministers of England ever, he says this, he said, why can't you do both? And I feel God would really use that phrase to just touch people's lives here today. If you're a Christian, we aren't just here to make Jubilee Church larger. God doesn't just want to make your life in Jubilee Church even busier than it is doing Jubilee Church things. His purpose is to turn the world upside down. His purpose is to touch Derby. His purpose isn't just to preach his word, but his purpose is to have changed society. And Wilberforce's life is an amazing story of how, the truth of that and the challenge of it and the battle of it. You see, basically, to be involved in God's restoration plan, you need to be refreshed because you get worn out. Because it's a battle. It's very costly, but it's wonderful. God doesn't just give you personal salvation. He gives you a plan and a purpose for your life. And a reason to be living. Not just waiting to die to go to glory, but actually to get involved in the here and now and bring glory down here. And there's a challenge. And then that ushers in finally. The next one, please. The return of the king. So this is my lesson in history over. Have you enjoyed it? Has it helped you? It doesn't take long to tell you, but it puts everything into place. And the culmination of all this will be the return of the king. When every knee will bow. Every knee. People who don't even know God is around Everyone who just marginalizes him, like I used to. And God will come and every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he is the Lord of glory. And he has no equal. And that's the story the Bible brings. So, let's come back then, shall we, as I draw this to a close. Let's come back to... Those three stories I mentioned at the beginning. Those three people. And one of them speaks for all three. Joy, Tracy and Tom. Joy says this. I thought I was beyond hope, but I wasn't. God loved me in my darkest hour. His protection sustained and transformed me and my life changed. That's what happens. Your life can change. Our message, the gospel of the kingdom, transforms. It doesn't just add a few things onto your life. It transforms you from the inside. A brand new life comes. Your, your a slate is completely wiped clean and a brand new life comes and a new power to live comes. It's an amazing transformation message. And I want to just tell you this. Next slide, please. That the only entrance into this kingdom for everyone who lives in rebellion which is everyone is by a new birth the entrance into the kingdom is by birth 
Just like the entrance into this life here was by birth, the only way in to God's kingdom and become part of this restoration plan is by a new birth. And I want you to say that to know this. You see, every one of us, the Bible says, is in rebellion and is spiritually dead. We all run our lives our way, and our life is often and all usually about my goals, my desires, my thoughts. Notice the word my. It's all about me. And we marginalize God, as I've said, and we keep him on the fringes, even though we live in his world. But we don't acknowledge the creator. And we live, up within, we live within just government rather than his perfect government. And Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way, sums life up. Our thoughts, words and deeds separate us from a holy God. You see, we're in rebellion. That was a painful thing for me to hear when I was a university student. You know, I was meant to be bright, I was young, I had some energy, I had a bit of a brain, at least two grey cells. And I had to grapple with this truth that actually I need to humble myself. Because I did things my way. And I was dead in the spiritual world. And that's why I needed a brand new spiritual birth. The Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray and we've turned each one to our own ways. Well that was me. That's most probably you. It's everybody until you, until you meet with Jesus. We all start life that way. And that's why we see all the problems we see in the world. And no government and no good intention and no amount of money we throw at the problem is ever going to transform society. It's only going to be transformed by this life-changing message of the gospel of the kingdom. Someone's put it like this. At the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. That sums it all up. So if society is corrupt, we'd all agree on that. But here's a more challenging comment. Are you and I corrupt? Let me tell you this story. I love this story. I might have told it here before. Uh, It's about the author of uh, Sherlock Holmes, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, an atheist. But once he played a practical joke on 12 men. They were all well-known, respectable people. In fact, they were regarded as the pillars of society. And he sent each one of them, at the same time, the equivalent of an email. It's called a telegram. And it said this, flee at once, all is discovered. Could you imagine getting those six words on your email this afternoon? Now, this is very interesting what happened. They didn't go junk mail. They didn't react like that. Within 24 hours, they had all fled the country. You see, society is sick and ill and in rebellion because individuals are in rebellion. You and I are rebels. And the amazing message of the gospel of the kingdom is that your wrongdoing and mine is placed on Jesus when he died. I can never tire of hearing this. I mean, I must have said this now, what I'm going to tell you now in a few minutes, hundreds of times. But I never tire of it. I never think, oh, I haven't got to go and say that again, have I? It's an amazing, amazing message. So on the cross, the fierce anger of God towards sin and sinners 
is taken away. Why? Because your wrongdoing and mine, our rebellion, is placed on his son, Jesus. So when he's dying on a cross, all of our wrongdoing, yours and mine, and the whole wrongdoing of the world is placed on him, and the one who never did anything wrong is suddenly punished for the wrongdoing of society. What an amazing act of love that is. That's why the cross is the most powerful symbol in the world today. See, God has to be angry at sin because he's pure. He's holy. He can't ignore it. He can't forget it. He has to punish it. But instead of punishing you and I as who are rebels, he punished his son, who was never a rebel, but took our rebellion on his body. Incredible message. And the, it, says, it says this in the, the message translation. This is the kind of love we are talking about. That he sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sin and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. I'll read that one more time. This is the kind of love that we're talking about. This is the love that happened at the cross. When he sent his son, he became a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Incredible. This is a true story. You may again have heard me say this. In 1937, next slide please. A man called John Griffiths. In 1937, he was operating a swing bridge across the Mississippi River. And the summer, his son, Carl, was helping him because it was school holidays. And his son used to climb into the big gears at quite a distance from where his dad operated the levers. And when the bridge was in the up, which swung the bridge to the side, one side of the river, Carl worked on the gears. And when he needed to swing the bridge back, he would be able to communicate and his son got out. One day, though, his greatest nightmare happened. Next slide, please. He heard an express train approaching. And somehow, it had broken through all the various stop signals and it was on course to crash into the bridge. Now, he didn't panic because he knew he had time pull the lever and allow the bridge to come back. But he faced a horrible dilemma because it wasn't that easy. He had an choice. He could pull the lever, the bridge would come back, the train would go across and everybody would be safe. Or he could leave it where it is and the train would hurtle into the river and hundreds of people would die. The problem, the centre of his dilemma was this. His son was too far away to get him out. He couldn't shout. He didn't have enough time to go over and get him out. And as each moment, as each second went by, the decision became more and more horrendous. And he had to make a decision to crush his beloved son in the gears to enable others to live or to let everybody die and let his son live. 
I mean, I just can't remember or think about what I would do in that case. Then it came down to a split-second choice. And he put his hands over his head, made his decision, and he pulled the lever. And all he could hear was a... As the train went in front of him across the swing bridge and everybody was safe. And yet he knew that his son would be crushed to death in the gigantic gears. Now that's the heart of our message here today. It's the heart of our message here today. That's what Jesus has done for us. Next slide, please. Look, what I'm telling you about isn't just pie in the sky when you die. It isn't just as frivolous as a rabbit seeing this huge carrot and thinking, isn't heaven wonderful? That's not what I've been talking to you about at all. I'm talking to you that you can find heaven here on earth right now. Next slide. Next slide. This one here. What are you going to do now? Listen, I don't want you to do something in response to my talk. I don't want you to do something in response to any emotion. But I am giving you a chance right now to respond to God's love and an amazing care for you. I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm not going to get emotional. We're not even going to get something playing. But you have a chance here. Have you ever, ever given your life to Jesus? Have you ever done that? Have you really understood for the first time that why we see problems in the world today is because of the history lesson I've just given you? And how God's amazing answer to that is that he sent his son. And yes, it does cause your personal, it will bring about your personal salvation as it did mine, but it catches you up in God's restoration program as well. And so if you have never done that, I'm just going to put three prayers up right now. So the first one is this. It's a sorry prayer. And I'd just like everybody to pray this along with me, sort of out loud, without shouting, because we're British. And maybe some of you will pray this for the first time. But most of us have most probably prayed this prayer a long time ago, or recently. Let's all pray it together after me. Lord God, I am a sinner and I want to turn away from the things I've done wrong. I want to receive your forgiveness and receive a brand new start. Next one. Got three of these. Carry on. I believe that you are calling me and it's my time to respond. Please come into my life. I give myself completely to you. I will follow and serve you from now on. And the last one. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on a cross in my place. Thank you that when he did this, he washed away all the things I've done wrong. Let's just linger for a while. Maybe you've heard something of this before. Maybe this is your moment for a variety of reasons. I don't know why. But let's just, let's just, just linger right now.
Come, Holy Spirit. Come and do what you can, only you can do. It's not me that changes people's lives. It's you. It's your amazing love. It's the reality that you are here right now and that you love to give us a second chance and a new birth. And you love to transform our lives. And you love to wipe all that grot away and give us hope and a fresh start. Thank you you don't just write hope as a tattoo, but you actually give us your son to give us that hope. Lord, I give my life to you right now. Just say that, if that's you. Lord, I respond to you right now. I give in. I'm a rebel. I bow my knee. I say, Lord, come and be the center of my life. Come and be the governor in my life. I give my life to you right now. Amen. Now, finally, I'd love just to pray for the sick as well. Because one of the things that you find about this gospel of the kingdom is that signs and wonders accompany it. And so I'd love just to pray for the sick. Then I'd love just to close and then give anybody who wants to a time to come up here and we can pray for you more personally, which is a much better deal. I want you to know that did you hear what God did for Helen? She went and got prayed for. See, that's what you have to do that. And she was healed immediately. But she was open to receiving it. So I'm just going to pray for us. Only God can come now. His promise is I'm totally confident. Not in me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Mr. Nobody. <laughs> I'm pretty insignificant, really. But I'm totally confident in God. Because he said these signs will accompany the preaching of my gospel of the kingdom word. And the Bible says it's signs following. There's the clue. Following. <laughs> so I'm going to pray right now. Helen said she felt this, didn't she, when she first got prayed for by you guys, was that right, I think? Your house, was that, wherever it was? Yeah. She felt the Holy Spirit. Did you hear her say that? Then she went to get prayed for more. Holy Spirit, just come right now. Come and do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. I address sickness now. I pronounce that the kingdom of God is here. The king is here. He is all-powerful. And he pushes sin, sickness, suffering and pain and injustice away. And we speak to suffering. We speak to injustice. We speak to sickness. And we say, go now in Jesus' name. We push you back. You're not welcome here. We thank you that we pull down what's true in heaven here. Your kingdom come is what you told us to pray. And so we, I take authority over all that in Jesus' name. And I speak freedom to you now. Freedom to you right now. Now some of you are just experiencing God on you. Maybe for the first time. Just want to encourage you as we close now to uh, come and get prayed for. We're happy to spend as long or as little time with you as you want us to. It's not going to take forever. It won't take three hours. You will get your Sunday lunch. But we, we do want to focus on praying for you. I want to encourage you to come. But before we do that, in closing, I just want to do this and ask you to do this. There's a little card 
uh, on your seat. And it just helps us. To, it'll help me, actually, very much. I'd like every one of us to fill this in. There should be a, a pen on your seat, or there was when you arrived. So if there's not one on your seat, there should be one on the seat next to you. I'd like you to put your name and fill things in. And um, there's various tick boxes, and if you did any of those things, tick that box. And, uh, and just fill it in, and in a few minutes we'll just uh, allow that to be collected. If you're a visitor, you might want to just tick that. If you, if you would like more information about various things, you can tick those things. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you can tick that box. And uh, we would love to get some more resource to you to help you understand what you did and grow in that understanding. If you're beginning to feel God's healing power on you, you may want to just tick that box as well. And I would value your comments on what you thought about the message as well. Now, because I'm um, a human being, don't be mean in, those, in that box, please, all right? I mean, you can be honest, but don't be mean, okay? I mean, I've still got to live, remember that, okay? I've got to eat at dinner after this. So, I mean, things like the speaker was lousy is not going to be helpful. But you can be honest. You know, you can always say, well, that really spoke to me about this. Never realized that before. Or whatever you want to say. Just as you're doing that, I want to just continue praying. And um, just for God's Spirit to be here. Holy Spirit, just keep coming. Just, I, I, I want to speak to particular sicknesses right now. I'll speak to arthritis and tell you to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I speak to cancer and tell you to go. Cancer, go in Jesus' name. Amazing story. Just a lady in a church in Selby. We were at a wedding. No, we were at a 50th um, anniversary of a wedding in Darlington, where I'm from, last Saturday. And this lady, I've not seen her for a year or so, from Selby, and she's uh, had stomach cancer. She had 14 pints of fluid in her stomach. The doctor said she had no hope. She had two months to live. And she looked like a pregnant woman, basically. That was her description. And uh, friends of mine pray for her in the name of Jesus. And she's completely healed. Amen. Completely healed. I mean, she, my, my wife said this, Judy, that's her name, looked terrific. That's the word of a lady about another lady, which is very powerful, isn't it? And uh, she said, I didn't know this before. Some of you may know more about this. I didn't realize there was a cancer, cancer scale in hospitals. And apparently, I think 33 or 35, I forget exactly, is normal, is healthy. And... She was 285 on the scale. And she was asked to go back afterwards, after she was prayed for, to have a test. And the doctor who made the test couldn't believe what she saw with the test. Um, and went chasing this lady for a day around the, around the hospital, couldn't find her, eventually found her and said this. This is her words, not mine. She says, I don't bloody well believe this. How is this bloody well possible? And she'd gone right down to 35. See, the kingdom of God is amongst us. The kingdom of God is here. 
Does he heal everybody now in this day? Not my experience, but he does heal many. There will be a day coming when a hundredth birthday will be norm. (laughs) But right now we're pulling truths down. And today, in the north of England, God has healed a lady of cancer. And if you weren't at North, you heard that, uh, let me tell you again, a good friend of ours called Andrew Coltman, we call him AC, born blind in one eye, at North last year, camp we all have together, his blindness in that one eye went, and he's completely healed. And it's changed his life. The kingdom of God is here. I pronounce that the kingdom of God is amongst you. And I'm finishing but I'm going to finish and I'm sure Graham will give you further instructions. I'm going to encourage anybody who's sick here today and anybody who has faith for something to come down and we'd love to pray for you in more detail. Thank you so much. We're going to collect those cards in a few minutes and uh, someone will come and collect them. Well, Graham will give you instructions how that's done. Thank you so much. I love being with you. Thank you, Mike. The band are going to come back and we're going to stand and we're going to sing together and worship Jesus. As we do that, we'll we'll collect the cards that Mike referred to and uh, we're going to just give some time now to praying together. So if you're sick this morning, we would love to pray with you and pray for you that God might come and that uh, he might heal you. So that's what we're going to do now. We've got got a bit of time. We're we're okay. Um, So why don't we stand together? Naomi and the band are going to lead us. If we can collect the cards as, uh, as we sing together. And we're just going to give some time now to praying together and praying for one another. So if you'd like us to pray for you, now is your chance. If you want to come to the front as we sing, as we worship together, we'd love to do that and love to see what God might do. Okay? Sound good? Let's watch Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.